Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. She was one of those girls who unabashedly looked forward to the day, refusing to feign indifference just because that was in vogue amongst her classmates. But a lot had changed in the weeks since Charles's debacle. This program features the work of 2020 writer Helen K. Thomas. In the first half, you'll hear her conversation with curator Anastasia Renee, recorded in the Jack Straw Studio. Tell me a bit about your Jack Straw project. So I'm planning to have a series of works about that feature Black girl protagonists uh, from the Pacific Northwest. It's really in its infancy, but I know that I want to have just a book of short stories about Black girls from Seattle or from the Pacific Northwest. And I, it's so funny. I, like, a little while ago was ruminating on regional writers and what does it mean to be a regional writer. And I don't know if I would call myself a regional writer right now. I think... Sometimes you have to have maybe a couple pieces of work under your belt to kind of get that label, too. But I know that I'm really interested in delving into what it means to be a Black girl growing up in the Pacific Northwest. And right now, that's kind of my only interest, Um, either living in the Pacific Northwest, growing up here, or moving to the Pacific Northwest. And what does that mean um, for Black girls, and what is how does that look for different types of Black girls? So I'm really interested in, in presenting that through short stories um, and kind of taking vignettes of, of lives of high schoolers and middle schoolers and, um, yeah, seeing what that looks like. So I've got a couple pieces. I'm really kind of digging that and looking forward to continuing to writing more. Tell us what connects you most to your genre of writing. Mm. I think what connects me most is that even if I wasn't writing uh, young adult fiction, I would still read it. I've been reading YA fiction since I was a kid and um, just really fell in love with it early on. And so when I started writing YA, it was really funny because I like when I started writing in general, I kept writing these short stories or pieces that featured teens. And at this point, I was in college, and and it wasn't until like the fourth piece that I was like, oh, I'm I'm writing YA. Like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And so just knowing that, and knowing that I have this history with YA, and and knowing like what just reading YA for so long has done to me as a reader. Even if I wasn't writing, like, it's just something that, that I would never give up. What pushes you to keep writing and to mm-hmm. write it all? You had that, the moment of mm-hmm. thinking, oh, I'm a YA writer. Yes. This is what I do. But what, what keeps you doing it? I think what keeps me writing YA in particular is, is the fact that I'm able to tell the kinds of stories that were minimal when I was younger. I won't say that that there weren't a lot of YA stories about black girls when I was growing up, because there were a few, but 
there weren't as many as I, I liked. And so the few that w- I was able to come across, I just remember like what it felt like to read stories about black girls that were like me, that weren't like me, but were black girls nonetheless. And so just remembering and that feeling um, is something that I keep in mind and something that I try to honor as I write stories about different types of black girls and knowing just how forward pushing and innovative YA has been and can be is something that I think a lot about. I think that especially now, YA really is is a genre that's doing so much work and so much heavy lifting. And so to be a part of that and to choose to be a part of that is something that I don't take lightly and it's something that I really, really honor because I see how it's changing the world and I see how it's creating compassion and I see how it's really moving the dial forward and moving our culture forward. Do you think that writers should have a writing practice Mm. or rituals? And if so, what are yours? Yeah, I think in general, I'll say that I think writers can, should, should feels hard, but like a, (laughs) I don't know, such an intense word. But yeah, I'm sure I think writers should have a ritual, but I think where we kind of go wrong is expecting all writers to have the same ritual. Um, I know that lots of folks think you should write every day for this amount of hours and or you should have a room or sequester yourself or whatever, but I think the process looks different for everyone. There's a, as many processes as there are people, and so I think what's just important is that However that happens, writers find a way to stay connected to their work, whether that's writing every day, whether that's like setting time during the weekend, whether that's, you know, waiting till summer to like get all the words that they've held onto for the entire rest of the year out. Um, But yeah, I think it is important just, yeah, to stay connected to your work in some way. And sometimes that's reading instead of writing. But um, my process, though, I try and do a little bit of, of writing every day. Does that happen? Absolutely not. <laughs> Have I consistent? Definitely no. But um, I'd say I try not to go more than maybe a week or so without at least tapping into whatever I'm working on. And that's probably as much of a process <laughs> as I have so far. That's still yeah. a ritual. <laughs> it's a ritual of some sort, Yeah. What would you tell young Helen, young writing Helen, mm-hmm. um, if you could go back in time and tell yourself anything, your writer's self, your creative self, mm-hmm. what would you tell her? I think I'd tell her that there is definitely space for her voice and space for the worlds that... Um, she imagines and is interested in exploring. I am originally from Nigeria, but I've lived in Seattle the majority of my life and am interested in kind of 
exploring what that looks like. I'm interested in, um, like I've said earlier, just different types of of black girls. And I think for a while in in media, there was only there was only so many boxes that um, if you were a creator of any kind, if, especially if you were a black creator, there were only so many boxes that uh, you could work within. And I think now I I know that um, those boxes are expanding. And even if they're not expanding as quickly as I would like them to, like that doesn't mean that I can't write the story that I, I dream up. And, and even if it's outside of the box that's out there, that doesn't mean that I can't write a story that I want to write nonetheless. Yeah, so I think I just say that, you know, baby Helen (laughs) just keep writing and and know that whatever you're writing whatever you're interested in writing will find its place and will find its way now we'll hear a selection from Helen's live reading Naya heard somebody calling out her name. She put her head down, ignoring them, and kept walking. She wasn't in the mood to talk to anybody. She was hoping that whoever it was would assume she had music blasting from her headphones or had really bad hearing and get too embarrassed to continue yelling her name. They were in the downtown library and nobody was supposed to be speaking much louder than a whisper. A couple seconds later though, a hand settled on her shoulder And when she turned around, she came face to face with her best friend, Prosper, grinning down at her. Even though they'd barely talked to each other for almost a month, standing so close, Naya could already feel her center of gravity being tugged toward him. This was exactly why she'd started pulling back from her in the first place. She hadn't known what to do with her feelings for him. It was better to sequester herself, figure out what was happening and how to bury her feelings back underground. But here he was now. Hi, she said. What are you doing here? Prosper slid his hand up and over his low fade, breaking eye contact with Naya. He shrugged, told her he was looking for a couple books for a paper. She squinted at him. She could tell that he was lying because why would he be skipping school just for that? But if he didn't want to tell her what he was really doing here, she wasn't going to push him. His brows furrowed. I'm really sorry about your brother, he said voicing the text he'd sent, the one she'd ignored. He, on the other hand, didn't need to ask her why she was ditching school. News of her older brother's shocking and spectacularly public fuck-up a week ago had spread through the school fast. Her parents had decided it was best for Charles to be shipped off to military academy, while Naya was left to deal with the stares, whispers, and tragic looks directed her way. Today, she'd reached her limit and had decided to dip. Yeah, me too. Naya said, looking down at her pink and gray pumas. She should go now, leave their conversation early before she said or did anything stupid. Just as she was about to come up with an excuse to take off, Prosper cut in and asked Naya to come help him find a book, a biography on Muhammad Ali. He looked almost desperate, as if his entire future depended on the answer she would give him, as if he'd be left wandering between the shelves for all of eternity if she didn't say yes. 
Naya said yes. When they got to the section of biographies, Prosper grinned and said, so what are you about to wear to prom? I know you already have your entire outfit planned out, right? Naya turned around and pretended to scan the shelves before admitting, I'm not going, I'm not really feeling it anymore, I guess. She knew her words would sound foreign to Prosper, who had been listening to her go on about prom for the majority of the year. Of course, she already had her entire outfit tucked away. She was one of those girls who unabashedly looked forward to the day, refusing to feign indifference just because that was in vogue amongst her classmates. But a lot had changed in the week since Charles's debacle. Anticipating her first prom didn't feel so electrifying anymore. To be honest, she'd virtually forgotten it was happening a few days from now. Prosper slid in front of Naya so that they were standing face to face and asked her how she was doing in the middle of everything going on with her brother. In the years that they had been best friends, he had always had a way of hearing her, even when she hadn't said a single word. If she tried to lie, Prosper would know. Naya ran her fingers along the dusty book spines and let a second of silence settle between them. When she admitted that sometimes she felt like a ghost in her own life. At home, she'd become basically invisible and at school, she couldn't escape the loud gawking everybody kept directing her way. Life was just really exhausting. Suddenly, Prosper grabbed Naya's hand and pulled her through the stacks. Let's go to the fourth floor. This was not the response she had been expecting. They rode up the elevator, hands still clasped, as Prosper's silent determination bounced off the lime green walls. When the doors opened, they stepped into the middle of an artery, or at least that's what the red hall of the downtown Seattle Public Library had always reminded Naya of. A couple yards down the corridor, Prosper came to an abrupt stop. Remember when we came up here for the first time and I freaked out, he asked. Naya nodded. Prosper had barely been able to breathe from the unexpected claustrophobia the halls had brought on. He continued. You talked me through it until I could actually see how cool the space was. Until it didn't freak me out anymore. And now it's one of my favorite places to be. For what it's worth, no matter what, you'll never be a ghost to me. Naya leaned up against the smooth, solid walls, closed her eyes, and took in a deep breath. Whether she spent a month or a year trying to distance herself from Prosper, she knew it wouldn't matter. She couldn't get rid of the love she felt for this war that easily. How had she even thought excising him from her life would ever work? Somehow she had to figure out a way to hold on to her best friend while masking her feelings for him from him. After admitting this to herself, Naya was immediately ravenous to know everything that she had missed in Prosper's life. I feel like Thai iced tea and bun me right now, Naya said, opening her eyes and Prosper's face lit up. A lift ride and 15 minutes later, Naya and Prosper sat face to face at a table in Fadeli. It both felt and didn't feel like old times. Talking to Prosper used to be so easy. Now Naya worked to make sure that nothing in her face, her voice, her body radiated that she was in love with her best friend. In between bites of their sandwiches, Prosper told Naya about his mother's latest trash boyfriend. He detailed how one night they'd exchanged vicious words just because Prosper had forgotten to put the guy's dinner back into the microwave after warming it up his own food. Even now, Prosper vibrated with anger. Then, Naya told Prosper about a summer arts program she was looking into, but she wasn't sure if her parents would actually let her go now, considering the mess Charles had created. They were quiet for a second when Prosper said, so are we gonna talk about what happened? 
Naya froze. She'd hoped they could just go on pretending. When Naya still hadn't responded, Prosper said, why have you been avoiding me? Naya reached forward and grabbed a pair of chopsticks from the cup on the table, trying to buy more time. I haven't, she lied, refusing to make eye contact with Prosper. Bull, Prosper said. Naya looked up and found him leaning back in his chair. His arms crossed on top of his chest. He looked hurt. She slipped the chopsticks out of their red and yellow paper sleeve and rubbed them together as if she could spark to life a distraction. Charles, she offered up weakly. Prosper shook his head. You've been avoiding me since before Charles's accident, he said and then winced, looking at her sheepishly. They both knew accident was way too inadequate a word to sub in for what Charles had done. Naya's heart took punches against her chest. How had she thought for a second that Prosper wasn't going to say anything about her disappearing act? I'll give you an answer if you tell me why you skipped school today, Naya shot back. Even though she was trying to buy herself even more time, she knew there was something deeper going on around why Prosper had left school to go to the library. Fine, he said and sighed. I woke up still feeling like I was about to do something really stupid to Nelson. He put his hands on me this morning. Shoved me against the wall for disrespecting him, Prosper said, throwing quotation marks around his last words. I knew I was too keyed up to sit through class all day, so I came to our spot. Naya couldn't believe what had happened. No matter how shit Mrs. Venetia's boyfriends were, none of them had ever gotten physical with Prosper. You gonna tell your mom, she asked, frowning. Prosper shrugged. For what, she'll probably say something dumb like, Nelson didn't mean it. I don't want to hear all of that. Anyway, that's my shit. Now tell me why you were avoiding me. Naya looked into Prosper's dark brown eyes, which were almost identical to the color of his smooth face. Maybe everything would be okay if she just told. There had been that one time when they'd almost kissed after he'd broken up with Gianna. He'd pulled back at the last minute, but what if... Naya held onto her chair, steadying herself. I love you, Prosper, and not just as a friend. Oh, Prosper said, surprised. Now it was his turn to avoid eye contact. He sat there looking like an ant sweating under a giant magnifying glass. Mortification drowned her immediately. What the fuck had she just done? Naya shot up out of, the, of her chair. You know what? Forget I said anything. She pulled out a $10 bill and tossed it on the table. Naya, wait, Prosper called out. But she ignored him as she dashed out of the restaurant, trying to shut out the curious looks of the other diners. For the rest of the week, Naya tried not to die of embarrassment whenever she thought about what she'd done. Why the hell hadn't she just lied? God, he'd look so embarrassed for her. Since then, he'd called multiple times, but she hadn't picked up. She couldn't. She wasn't ready to come face to face with Prosper's pity. Apparently, her brother wasn't the only one in the family unraveling their life for no reason. To get her mind off things, when Saturday morning came, Naya spent hours watching movies and eating kettle corn. All she wanted was to forget. Afternoon rolled around and she just started watching Brown Sugar when the doorbell rang. She had no idea who it could be. Her parents and brother were out of town visiting the military school her brother would transfer to. It was too early for them to be back already. She made her way to the front door in her pink pajamas, set with red hearts and kisses printed all over. When she opened the door, standing on the other side was Prosper. He was wearing a fitted navy blue suit, a black tie, 
and it sported a fresh lineup. In his hands, he held a flower corsage. Her mouth fell open. Let's do this, Naya, he said, grinning. Thank you. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production, produced by Alyssa Keene and Daniel Gunther at Jack Straw Cultural Center. Our recording engineers are Steve DeTori, Daniel Gunther, Joel Maddox, and Ayesha Ubiatilaka. Our theme music is by Sassy Black, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The 2020 curator of this program is Anastasia Renee, and the narrator for this podcast is Alyssa Keene. The Jack Straw Writers Program was inspired by an over-the-back fence conversation in 1996 between author Rebecca Brown and Jack Straw Executive Director Joan Rabinowitz. The program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Special thanks to Larry Lawrence for transcribing our writers' interviews. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology. You can subscribe to this and other Jack Straw podcasts through your favorite podcast app. To hear more episodes and learn about our other programs, visit us at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>